Before we get started with today's episode, I'm here to ask you to please consider giving me some money. That's right. Crisis Twink has a wonderful listener support option in our show notes through which you can choose to make a small, large, or an astronomical monthly donation to support the operating costs of the podcast. It's entirely optional, but it is much appreciated. So if that's something that's interesting to you, then uh, give it a little look. All right, on with the show. Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Very, very special occasion today as Crisis Twink celebrates its one-year anniversary. Who would have thought? And very special guest here today. He's an editor at Gawker and the co-host of one of my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite podcasts, Stradio Lab, George Severus. Hello. What? It is, what a, is, a, is a pleasure and honor to be here. <laughs> Truly the biggest treat to have you on. How are you doing today? Thank you for getting I'm... dressed up for this uh, momentous occasion. Oh my God. I mean, are you dragging me? I've like, I'm no, no, full tuxedo that. tails to the nines. Oh yeah. Like... oh yeah, yeah, I guess no one can see. No one can see me, so we can pretend it. We can pretend that's true. No, I ha- I'm wearing a, a crew neck sweatshirt, in fact, that has a hot sauce stain on it, but you can't see it because the mic is hiding it. Um, and but, no one can um, see over here. I'm wearing Blair St. Clair merchandise right now. So wow. it's not like we're really uh, going okay. full fancy today. Either, I, I mean, honestly, but... I can't see the whole shirt, but it does look like well-designed. It I, shockingly I is. Yeah. I have had people mistake this for Versace on the streets before, and I really wish that were a joke, but unfortunately it's not. Like, Is it long sleeve or is short sleeve? It's long sleeve. Oh, it's long sleeve. Yeah. Oh, I love a long sleeve tee. A long sleeve tee. I mean... What's better than that? I genuinely, especially like a people don't appreciate enough like a graphic long sleeve tee. We when we were making our merch for our podcast, our initial design was for a long sleeve tee that also had design on the sleeves, and then it ended up being too expensive, and we had to get a short sleeve one. But mm-hmm. um, and this but, economy sleeves come at a premium. They really do. I mean, I can't the the logistics of merch. You'd anyone listening at home you'd be shocked <laughs> we made yeah, money <laughs> i haven't even touched it yet like i do have to give props to your merch though and i'm and i'm gonna say what i'm about to say in the most positive sense yes. it's very chromatica esque i mean yeah it's not only chromatica esque one could say it copies direct many of the design elements mm-hmm. of the chromatica um specifically specifically the stupid love art um, but yes, they're all designed by our friend Michael Fails, who now, I, I don't know if I can say what he's doing, but from what I understand, he's working at a large, prestigious corporation as a designer. Oh, we love that. The, <laughs> the, like the rider rips to the CIA. Exactly. Line, but when, when he did our, when he did our merch, I mean, he wasn't working at a large corporation. So mm-hmm. one could say potentially that it was a real jumping off point. for him. <laughs> no, totally. I mean, it's, are you going to go to the Chromatica ball? I'm like thinking about it, but it does seem a little pyramid scheme-ish like to see if it's actually going to happen. Um, well, so the thing is, it's tough because I've never seen Lady Gaga live. And I think ultimately what I want is to see her live when I was 21. Like, mm-hmm. and there's no, I, there's no way to go back in time and have that experience. And I almost think seeing her live now would be kind of like you know legacy actish like old woman at her 50th high school reunion like going to like bonnie Raitt. (laughs) Um, (laughs) no i'm not saying gaga is old. no 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 i i 100 get what you're saying it's like seeing Katy perry residency right now it's very like which which and i'm not that's no one else's fault it's just the fact that like i happen to be the right age that i was in college when not when Gaga first came, but like certainly when, you know, 
I think I was a freshman when like the Bad Romance video came out. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. I'll go. I mean, the thing, yeah, I'll, I'll go if someone finds a way for me to get a ticket that is not a thousand dollars and is like in an okay place. Yeah, 100%. And I'm just at a point where I'm going to wait until two days beforehand because she will pull out at a moment's notice. And that scares me. Okay. This is, I know people, I think I'm not up to date on this. So I, when it was reannounced, everyone was making that joke that it's like a scam. I don't think I fully realized, was it canceled more than once before? Yeah. I think she pushed it back twice because she had announced it pre-pandemic. Obviously that didn't happen. And then the 2021 dates got rescheduled for another reason it would have to seem like shooting something but i don't know what project she's working on right now really because that like yeah i mean in her defense the first time was because of covid (laughs) sure sure i mean and she's she's not going to host a super spreader event but like i just genuinely don't think that she wants to be making music right now i love her forever like yeah but well i think like she's been burned so much like chromatica I mean, okay, I'm the events of summer 2020 are not about Lady Gaga, but like from Lady Gaga's perspective, she literally attempted something and then COVID happened and then rescheduled it to literally the month that there were mass protests for 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 racial injustice, for racialized police violence Mm -hmm. across the country. And her album was literally like, smile, (laughs) like, kind of like it. And that's, that's not, I mean, the timing is just, I don't know. I mean, never has someone had, and she really, this was going to be like art pop, but do it right this time. And instead it ended up being an even more botched version of art pop. Yeah. At least the album is a little bit more, I love art pop, but Chromatic is definitely a little bit more palatable to the mass. Sure. Public. Like, I don't think art pop is bringing in a new generation of young queers, let's say. Chromatica, I'm pretty sure did do that. That's so interesting. I I would love, I mean, that sounds great. I'm so out of touch with like, what, uh, let's say a 16 year old queer kid is listening to. Oh, me too, absolutely. Like I'm 26 and just absolutely have no idea. But like on TikTok, I mean, I'm seeing people rediscover like Grizzly Bear, in oh my Beach God, house and like all these like with the indie sleaze stuff like every, all this 2010 2011 stuff's coming back and 16 year olds are finding out about it so I'm like okay like you're sort of with it but you're also like these bands are not nearly as impactful as I thought they were I guess mm-hmm. yeah but Gaga's not Beach House no she's not Beach House has a new album out I have to say I used to be the biggest and I still I, I love Beach House I've seen them live like twice but the it's kind of one of those things where like once you see it you can't unsee it where like all their songs do kind of sound the same yeah and i and again i i mean the one album that has like all the white lights on it that blue oh uh teen dream is it teen dream i know or is it that's the one afterwards um the one i think it's called bloom yeah bloom 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 which has myth yeah yeah so like like that album was huge for me, as was Teen Dream, in fact. But like the, the last couple of albums they've released, I'm like, I tried to get into them and then I get lost. I'm like, I don't even know where each song ends and the next one begins. Uh, that's the biggest problem with this one. I kind of wish, well, I'm glad that they released it in four chunks like they did, like little EPs at a time. But I listened to the full 18 song album when it first, when it came out like a few months ago. And it really is just like, an hour and a half of mood music yeah. really impeccable mood music but like, yeah which honestly music. would be great live i mean i remember when they i saw them live they were so good mm-hmm. but anyway anyway sorry i'm like going off on all these tangents will i go to chromatica <laughs> i am not sure <laughs> all right we got to the bottom of that yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna get to the bottom of some other things now in my yes. first game go call the governor so I'm going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history. And by ancient history, I mean like two weeks ago in this totally. case. Totally. Can't even remember what yeah. I looked like or <laughs> was named then. <laughs> um, and you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. 
Okay. No wrong answers here, but your choice is binary. I'm I'm all in. Good. All right. Let's play first scenario, a headline that really broke my brain. Vanessa Hudgens sells her centuries-old estate to Ronan Farrow and John Lovett. Does the governor need to be called? I'm going to say the governor does not need to be called. Okay. I think that all three parties involved are equipped to carry through that transaction. Awesome. I agree with that. I mean, Vanessa Hudgens, since her, let's say, like, insensitive remarks around COVID-19, I think has really rebounded. Like, she's very, like, adult, classy actress. I have been... I actually have been interested in how no one has really like grappled with that in any way. Mm -hmm. Like everyone just kind of decided like, which to be perfectly honest, I support. I'm like, of all the cancellations, like she basically said something super stupid and was just like kind of dumb enough to think it was a good idea to post it online. But like, I'm sure she regrets it. And I'm sure, I mean, I don't know whether now she's like, anti-vax or but i don't think she is i think I don't she just think kind of like so. hadn't grappled with the situation yet and it was like week two and she was like what's going on um, like tick, but tick, i support boom her is... being in that movie that i haven't watched oh yeah no i'm never watching that the tick tick boom has been nominated for enough oscars that like she's definitely getting the vaccine if it means she can go 100 she has so never turned on a red carpet <laughs> i don't think i think if rachel zegler is nominated to the oscar vanessa hudgens also isn't but yeah that was weird. I don't, I mean, I don't really get what the Oscars are doing in general because like Sean White's presenting now, which is I know, it's very odd. strange. As very is DJ odd. Khaled. Like who, I don't know who, I know Steven Soderbergh fucked it up so much last year that he's never coming back. But like whoever is doing it now, it's still 2008 in their head. Like it, they never left. It's weird. But I do, Um, I love the community that your podcast, by the way, has built around the song Sneaker Night. I mean, I, it's funny because Sam hadn't heard it. I I think if I'm remembering correctly, Sam hadn't heard it and I introduced him to it. And then separately, uh, it turns out that then our good friends over at Las Culturistas also were talking about it like two weeks after we Mm -hmm. talked about it. Um, So I think it's kind of an organic movement to, to, it's, you know, kind of how people were, um, there was a grassroots movement around the song Sparks by Hilary Duff, I mm-hmm. think. I, and I and I, I don't think it's just us, nor do I think we like started the movement, but I think I've seen around many corners of the internet people saying justice for sneaker night. I don't know if justice is the right word. Like it definitely <laughs> de- deserves some sort of movement. Definitely like, like at least restorative justice. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a better thing. Like it truly is just like a series of inexplicable choices all bundled up into like, but, three minutes and 30 seconds but like i respect the well okay here's what i'll i'll say is like i always respect someone coining a new term like if you're gonna release kind of a down the line mediocre pop song i'd rather it i'd rather you coin the concept of a sneaker night rather than have the song just be called like i wish you were my lover or you know yeah because like, <laughs> it's it's memorable i'm like if it had caught on we would have who knows to this day maybe would we would have been saying like tomorrow's gonna be a sneaker night if only like i really wish that there is like an alternate timeline in which holla back girl flopped and sneaker night took its place and 100%. not that people are saying holla back girl all that uh, i was about either, to say like, i don't know about that were they in the late 2000s so that's the question i was it is i mean i that song certainly was huge but i'm trying to think if there was ever a point where someone would be like god i am such a holla back girl <laughs> I, I mean i would like to meet the legion of hollaback girls from that period like just do a wellness check see like i mean they're probably nurses now for all we know well yes most people are fighting against vanessa hudgens is misinformation <laughs> that's right <laughs> um i'm very happy for all the parties in this real estate transaction it's good that ronan Farah is gonna get more mirrors to take weird like ai selfies in me too. forward all right next scenario Kate Hudson's whole thing. Does the governor need to be called? This is a tough one. Um, you know, I guess I do think the governor needs to be called, if I'm being honest, because 
I would love to see her return. I would love to see her get a good acting role. Yeah. I don't think it's happening for her. And it's interesting because it can pretty much be traced back to... Well, I was going to say it can be traced back to her losing the Oscar because people forget that she was the favorite that year to win the Oscar. Yeah, and who who ended up winning that year? Marsha like, Gay Harden. Oh, for Pollock. For Pollock. Yeah. Which was a huge upset. And it was like a really big... The narrative was very strong because her mom obviously won when she was like a young ingenue for Cactus yeah. Flower. She was like 19 years old. And Kate Hudson was like... I don't think she was 19, but she was probably like... 22 or something yeah when almost famous came out and there was just such a such a strong some such strong momentum for it and then she clearly showed up thinking she was gonna win and i think then she did have her little period of being a rom-com queen which was yeah good i don't i'm trying to remember like what was the movie that was the end for her it's hard to pinpoint. She just never really did anything that special. Like, well, How I to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is a yeah. fantastic rom-com, like, for what it is. But, like, I mean, Fool's Gold and stuff is kind of the, well, the Fool's benchmark Gold was for, like, like, everything else. Yeah, I mean, Fool's Gold maybe was the nail in the coffin because that was, like, after she had had a few flops, like, Bride Wars and, like, whatever. I think Fool's Gold was, like, her big reunion with Matthew McConaughey from How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, yeah. which was like you know for better or worse a classic um which by the way i caught tv the other day and like I, we absolutely need to respect movies for the time you know like yeah based in the context they came out and whatever but it is one of those movies that like truly you're like how did anyone ever accept any of this yeah i bet um, like that's kind of nice though like i'd rather have more mid-budget rom-coms mm-hmm. than like I don't know a million Marvel movies like not to ding anyone who works no no 100 I which and it's funny they they do exist but no one cares it's like there's a new the new one with Jenny Slate it's called I Want You Back oh on Amazon yeah yeah I mean very good it's relative but like it was at much it was certainly better written and acted than many of the rom-coms that we think then made in Manhattan. You know? Oh yeah. No, um, you go back and watch the JLo hits from that period. They are almost all terrible. Like JLo yeah. is great, but like everything around it is like, yeah. Um, but anyway, so Kate Hudson, I think the governor in the form of perhaps a new agent needs to be called. And She is, she's not as good as Cameron Diaz and I would never apply as such, but much like Cameron Diaz, if you put her in the right comedic role, she can be a a comedic performer. And I think that's where her strengths lie. Like she should not be doing like that show no one watches on Apple TV plus where she's like a detective. She should not be doing, um, you know, that Sia movie. Like she should be doing a, a comedy that's like about a mother and a daughter. Yeah. I or like what's that movie she's in? It's not called Stepmom, but like like Raising Susan or whatever. Oh, Raising. You know what yes, about? I know exactly. Yeah. yeah, with Dakota Johnson. Yes. Um yes. no, Dakota Fanning. <laughs> Dakota Fanning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yes. the original flavor Dakota. I think I've pulled up Kate Hudson's Wikipedia. Things went to shit for her when she tried singing. Cuz the period in between 9 and when oh. she was on Glee from oh my 09 God, to 012 or yeah. 2012, that's the And see, she doesn't that. learn from her mistakes because to have that, like, then you can't go and do Sia's movie. I mean, no. the problematic aspects of it aside, like, that just isn't a good move. What I will say about Nine is she is, like, when you watch the clip of her doing her big number, she is um, a presence in it. Like, she's not... <laughs> What? She's certainly there. Yeah. <laughs> like I she but I just mean like she sells it. Like she's she's charming. She like, you know, I think she does as well as she can in that role yeah. with those lines. And I have to be perfectly honest, I listen to that song probably once a week for oh, running. Interesting. Like I'm not be... a big show tunes guy, mm-hmm. but that the like pace of that song it's is great. so good for running. 
It's cute. It's Fern Fergie are the only people who make it out. Fergie is so good. I watched that film with my entire family in theaters on Christmas Day. Wow. Yeah, I have like a very distinct memory of it. I remember being so excited for it as like, I think I was a freshman in high school, maybe. I was so excited because the cast was like insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the reviews started pouring and I was like, oh, this is so disappointing. And then I watched yeah. it on a plane and was like, oh, I get it now. I also, I didn't know, you know, whatever, we were young. I didn't know that it was in any way referencing the Fellini movie Eight and yeah. a Half, which has approximately the same plot. So I, so my kind of, like that was the first time I was introduced to any of those characters. So recently when I went and saw eight and a half for the first time in my mind, I was really watching this like classic of cinema. And I was like, Oh, that's the Fergie character. <laughs> like, that's which, so and, and it's very like, literally I was like comparing the character to Fergie. And I was like, Oh, this is Sophia Loren. Like, um, so, so really, who did better? The fur, I haven't seen eight and a half. So was it you know, Fergie or the other woman? <laughs> you know, I, listen, Acting wise, I don't think like, of course, eight and a half is a better film. I'm not going to deny that. But like acting wise, it is heavy hitters top to bottom for both of them. Like, who am I to say Daniel Day-Lewis is better or worse? Like, obviously, it comes together better in eight and a half. But it's not like it's not like, for instance, like when you watch the women with Deborah Messing, like, obviously, unwatchable, that is worse than the original (laughs) The Women. But like, for nine, it's like, okay, well, they're doing they're trying something like the production design is fun. I don't know. (laughs) The songs are good. Yeah, for what it is. It's fine. Yeah. Um, Okay, last scenario here. Something we crazily have not talked about in this spot podcast yet uh the madonna biopic boot camp right the governor need to be called yeah i would say that is not only does the governor need to be called i would say the head of police and potentially even the united nations need to be on the line everyone needs to get out of ukraine and into madonna's home studio (laughs) yeah there is something there is something almost like old hollywood about it in that it is very clear these poor girls are being emotionally abused oh yeah and potentially physically as well like it's just like it is i I don't even for my own sense of safety i don't even want to know what is going on oh i'm sure it's like um what god what's the single for that um medellin like the beginning of the video where she's dressed as madam x in the dance studio with the riding crop like (laughs) it's absolutely that and it's like dasha and julia garner just like trembling in the corner like doing kickball changes you kind of hear yeah i mean madonna is weird as much as she is of course inaccessible she also because she has alienated so many people throughout her career she also weirdly and only surrounds herself with like yes people yeah she weirdly is someone who like i don't know if you're like in new york and la like everyone knows someone who who worked with madonna like She's weirdly accessible in that way, uh, unlike someone like Beyonce, for instance. Yeah. Like Madonna will work with like a random gay guy who do, who will do like choreo for something, or or not choreo, but like who will like do her wigs or like who'll do her like it's it, it. She picks the weirdest people, and so you kind of hear rumors. Like I heard, I heard that one of the previous writers that worked on the movie, um. Madonna would make them start writing at like start work at like 9 p.m. Oh, wow. So the person would have to like arrive at Madonna's house and then at 9 p.m. Madonna would like, (laughs) you know, like in like, you know, business woman, like basically like screenwriter drag and take out like a typewriter with like giant glasses and be like, let's get to work. Oh, my Um, God. And anyway, is it just to like you're like putting yourself in like the night owls mindset? Like this is a club kids biopic. Like we're we're going yeah. a limelight, we're typing, we're writing. I mean, like, I respect, I do respect to some extent, as much as I think she's I'm sure she's torturing these poor girls. I do respect the commitment to a kind of rock and roll vibe. Like there's something where it's like, oh, it's refreshing that she's still crazy after all these years. She's not yeah. like, you know, who's someone who has become completely normal who's like that i'm trying to think like normal uh i don't know i mean like, like who's but- a, a pop star 
that used to be super punk rock and now is suited i don't know i don't know i mean most people just like kind of go away when they're older which is why madonna is so like out there like she's being absolutely like crazier than a sack of squirrels but like she's doing it her way i just wish it was not so weird sometimes like i do think the pandemic legit broke her brain like those early dispatches like yeah the fried fish video and like the the look these days is a little i think that she has a warped sense of humor like because I think that's what it, I, th- there's something where she was always so, if not ahead of the culture, then on the cutting edge, like she always knew what buttons to push, like what was kind of what she could get away with and be provocative without being, you know, sh- kind of like ex- ex- forcibly exited from society. And yeah. at some point around Confessions on a Dance, like right after Confessions on a Dance, where she kind of lost her like she kind of lost track of the culture and I think she just haven't hasn't recovered since and the art's been fine like I like her recent albums like for the most part we're recording Mm -hmm. this coincidentally on the 10-year anniversary of MDNA which I think is her worst album but still has like some like pretty decent songs on it but like that's definitely like in a post-Gaga world she was like two years behind the curve yeah yeah i mean yeah of course she was working with like justin timberlake yeah i mean it's like although i will say if you listen to god control from madam x it's like (laughs) genuinely a really good song and then you watch the video for god control and you're like okay (laughs) yeah i I can't even yeah she she has her finger on the pulse of a world that none of us live in or have that's exactly what it is it's like it, she occupies her own world, but within that world, she's like a trailblazer, but none of us are in it. So we can't judge based on those criteria. Right. We can just watch, observe, and hope that Alexa to me does not like break an ankle. Yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. I hope Fairs she up. I hope Fairs she up wins. for Alexa. <laughs> yeah. She, I, she definitely should get it. I think like, I don't really need, I've seen enough of Julia Garner personally. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like she's the one who's actually going to get it. But like, I would like Alexa Demi to get it just because. Yeah, why not? I am like Madonna, not to be all Lady Gaga, but Madonna is to me such an Italian girl from, I guess not New York, from Michigan. Michigan or wherever she's from. Yeah. But I, to me, she's so Italian that is Alexa, not to not to gatekeep, obviously no. Alexa Demi can have it. But <laughs> it should be honestly it should be lordis but i don't know if lordis has the dancing or I don't, acting chops <laughs> i say this with all the love in the world to yeah. lordis and i do love her she doesn't have the drive <laughs> she just yeah. doesn't have the drive um i cannot think of one young italian celebrity to do it though yeah well um, we'll keep we'll keep thinking and that's a fa- that's hollywood's failure that's right so all right we have to take a quick break okay. but we will be right back and we're back. Let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency. George, what are you rushing to the ER today? <laughs> um, okay, so today uh, it was announced that And Just Like That is coming back for a second season. So it mm-hmm. has been something that, you know, as you know, I am running a very intense newsroom over at Gawker.com. We cover all breaking news throughout the day. And this was something that we immediately... Um, that that we immediately jumped on so it's it's been on my mind was it announced today or yesterday i'm like uh uh, yesterday i guess yesterday okay yeah yesterday we had a post um that was suggestions for and just like that season two um that i highly suggest people seek out yes please please do um i am surprised it took them so long to pick it up considering uh, allegedly it's like far and away hbo's most popular series right yeah now. is it um, hbo Ma- or Wait, hbo max hbo max is yeah okay see i don't know i don't know like what the numbers are i know i like it's weird that they don't just air it on regular hbo too like if they do euphoria for both like you'd think they would do hbo max for both but i don't yeah. know um well i have i have i mean i'm trying to decide how much i want to say but i i have heard certain pieces of gossip 
about the production that I think like would explain why it took so long for them to renew it. Um, Interesting. Just, yeah, we don't have know, to share. We don't. Have to no, share no, no. I mean, it's, it's. I don't even know who I'm trying to protect. I don't know Sarah Jessica Parker, but I. But I did hear, for instance, that like two, one person behind the scenes and one of the main actresses, let's say, were literally not on speaking terms after the show ended, and it was because of like various miscommunications and disagreements during the production. So like, I, I remember that someone had told me that like as it was airing and then I also remember hearing that like you know despite the fact that it became kind of like a camp or not, not even camp I don't want to you know loaded term yeah <laughs> despite the fact that it became like very pop yeah like very popular among um a certain set of people I still do think that the kind of earnest critical response was negative and I do think that mm -hmm. um was hard on them from what I understand. Yeah. Again, I'm hearing a lot of this like fifth hand and potentially from gay men that are just lying. So I, I don't know. In gay like, men, they lie. <laughs> yeah. We know so like, yeah. so like the two pieces of information are just like, people were not basically like, A, not happy with it and B, kind of like had taken it to heart that the reviews were bad. And, and B, just that like literally two major people involved in the show like we're not on speaking terms after season one ended so and i feel I, like i have a good idea of who those yeah. two people are so i i mean i can see why they would take the negative reviews so personally um i mean from all accounts like the writers really put a lot of personal stories into this like Cynthia Nixon's talked at length about how miranda's narrative this reboot really mirrored a lot of her own personal personal journey and stuff yeah. like it's hard to put a lot of yourself into your art and then see people be like it sucked but and it I also, also sucked, quite, quite so. frankly i think like the i mean okay i'll say this this is not a secret because it's literally kind of available for everyone to see sarah jessica parker literally didn't do press for it like yeah. when you look at when you watch the late night shows it was cynthia nixon and kristen davis together going on like I don't know where they went, like Colbert or Seth Meyers or whatever, or like they went on like Watch What Happens Live. I think Sarah Jessica Parker did like one episode of Watch What Happens Live after the season ended where she like joked about Jay Diaz. Like she literally did not do press for it. Um, so all of this is to say, I it, it doesn't, like I would, I was kind of shocked that it, that they like reached a kind of agreement for it to come back. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the critique, in terms of critiques, what I will say is like, I kind of agree with the take that Che Diaz is an incredibly well, like fully formed character. And I literally yeah. know people like that. And I think it is a character we haven't seen on television before. I'm not saying I like them or that they're, or whatever, but it is like, it is actually a groundbreaking piece of representation surely like we do need a lot of annoying non-binary people on tv like queer artistic people yeah. like like people that are uh, like kind of up their own ass and yeah. love talking into a microphone like it, it is it, it really is like it is a character that frankly could only be written by like queer inclusive writing staff like it is so specific totally and I think it was um, I think it was Dan Daddario in Variety who wrote about Miranda's arc this season in relation to Che Diaz. Like mm -hmm. Miranda's arc makes total sense. Miranda really is does. not this rational, yeah. prudish, like paragon of morality that a lot of people kind of hagiographically think she is. Like she's very cruel and irrational, and yeah. all that stuff makes sense. Like that arc made sense to me. That's kind of where I came out of it. I my one, I guess I would say my complaints with it, aside from like little things here and there, one main thing to be honest was just like the episode should be 30 minutes and it should be yes. more like punchy and comic and like mm -hmm slapstick like, there are no they, jokes yeah like yeah if you just get some jokes get some slapstick in there like that's why the episode as everyone has already said the one written by samantha irby which is the one where carrie pees in a bottle while 
Miranda yeah. is like getting fingered. Like that is so quintessential sex in the city. If they had, they could have had the same exact plot lines and just had more absurd situations like that. And I would have been happy. It, it was a perfect mirror to that episode where Carrie and Bigger like having an affair and Natasha comes home. Yeah. And like exactly. falls down the stairs. Like that's like exactly. a perfect yeah, I callback. Agree. So I need to just like to put in perspective because I people on the pod know this, you don't know this. I watched all of Sex in the City for the first time in January and February. Wow. And of then 2022. 2022. I know bad oh my gay behavior. I know. Um, and the second movie, I had weirdly seen the first movie three times, um, <laughs> just cause it's always on E and my mom watches it every time it's on. And then I watched, and just like that, all of this was a, essentially a six week process watching the original show and, and just like that back to back the whiplash, you would not believe it. I mean, it's, it's like watching two different shows and I don't think it works without Samantha functionally oh, like I, oh yeah that's a very 100%. reductive critique to make but like kim cattrall is the moral center of sex in the city of, no she's i mean yeah she's like of course the most iconic character of the four like yeah. it's just like she also is the reason the show was provocative when it came out like she was right. the one having any kind of interesting sex yeah like, and she got all the good lines. Like, she had the best comedic timing. She was willing to go there, too. She, she, Kim Cattrall is an incredible comedian. Like, yeah. it's, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it's, I mean, I know that relationship is, like, beyond repair at this point. But it sucks that she's choosing to do two reboots that she was not even originally a part of in favor or like shunting this aside. Like. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, Queer Soak, I, you know, I, I hope will be good. But like, yeah. I've heard that How I Met Your Father is genuine, is not good. Yeah. I just, I mean, I, I don't know who was clamoring for that in the first place. Like, I'd rather see like the Greta Gerwig version that we were yeah. promised in 2014 than now. But I, um, I do think that in just like that season two is salvageable. If yeah. they sort of recalibrate it or, you know, around the structure of the original show and just like, let them have fun. Like you can have, you can do, have a diverse cast doing the same shit that they were doing with the first show, I think. I agree. It, 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 it's weird because it's weird because like the first, the original series got the formula so well. Yeah. So to choose that that's what you're going to disrupt is like literally the, the format of the show, like the one thing that works well, that works so well is such a strange choice. Cause like they made such, I like formally they made such weird choices. Like there was no consistency to the arc of each episode. Like there was no, even, even in the original, you know, there would always be a, sorry, there would always be a scene where like the women were having dinner or brunch or yeah. cocktails or whatever. Like, and the, and that's what the episode would revolve around. It's like, they each like, do their things and then they come together and then like have a conversation about it. And they did that a couple of times in the reboot, but it's just, it, it was, it was so, um, each episode was so different. It was like, it was written by a different auteur. Yeah. And there's just like the visual identity of sex in the city has been like talked to death at this point that like the city yeah. is the fifth girl. And like, but that was so missing from, and just like that too, like you, yeah. like they were in New York, but you kind of lost sight of that sometimes. Like they never went to the same well, places yeah. twice. Like That's, most of it was like green screen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. I mean, like all that apartment stuff from that, the worst episode, like when she like goes into the smart home or, or like moves into the smart home or whatever, like that was just, I don't know. It's just a bummer because there are yeah. pieces that you can work with. And I think like oh, yeah. when you talk about that episode, like Sarita Chowdhury is so good and it's crazy that she didn't get more to do. I know. And she talk about someone who also is, is very good comedically when yeah. she needs to be like, she should be placed in a situation where someone comes in her eye and she, you know, like, and she has right. to deal with it or like, I don't know. Just like, so we, um, we had, um, Melissa Rich, who's also a comedian, wrote a like an appreciation of um, of the season, which was basically just like it was kind of like playing off of the 
Kirsten Johnson character who's like whatever happened to fun and like the critique was just like they took fun out of sex in the city like everything yeah. is like the old sex in the city would take even something as serious as grief and make it funny like Carrie would try to pour the ashes but then the wind would blow them in her face yeah. or like you know um I don't, you know, they would like play up the Peloton of it all more, you know, like maybe she would then go to a, try to go to like a soul cycle class, but then they would end up playing a song that was like, you know, had the word death in, you know, like was like, I would yeah. die for you or something. Like th there are so many things you can do that like turn something that's tr tragic into comedy. And they just at every point chose to instead just dwell on the drama. Yeah. Like there's no, and there, I mean, no fun, no sex and like barely any city. Like it just, yeah. it was so lame. And especially just like, you know, I have pretty fresh eyes on the original series. Like that show for all of its flaws, which I think are a little overstated. Like, yeah, there's some stuff that hasn't aged super well, but I mean, it's not, a, it's a great show, like pretty perfectly written until the yeah. fifth season when it starts getting a little worse but it only goes from like great to a little worse yeah yeah totally it's also just so well again just so well acted like the the characters are so well i don't want, i don't know if they're well drawn as characters but the, the the kind of archetypes of the characters are so perfectly complementary of one another in a way oh, yeah. that, which is like what you want in essentially a sitcom like and it's really it throws it all out of balance when one person is yes 100 and i do and i don't want to be mean but like i do think kristen davis sort of forgot how to act i know it's crazy it, it's weird because okay so <laughs> i i someone was saying I wish I remember who it was, but that she's kind of like the consummate professional and everyone on set loves her. Like mm -hmm. she I shows up and does like more than anyone. She like shows up and does like, you know, we'll do six takes, each one slightly different. And she'll be like, but do, do you prefer that or that? I can do that one again. I can do that one again. Like she just like hits her mark every time, knows what she's doing, which I do believe because she seems certainly like someone who would be like that. But, but it, as you're saying, it's like she forgot to how to do comedic time, like how to how to yeah. do comedic acting, basically. I mean, she, there are so many, like when she goes, in the words of Aaron, as Demi Lovato would say, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Like the old Charlotte would like hit that line. I know. I I went into the show not expecting to like Charlotte or Kristen Davis that much because I feel like, you know, reputation-wise, she has she just gets like the short end of the stick a little bit, but like, yeah. I think she's secretly, no, she's not like the, she's not the best comedian, but she's definitely the second best comedian out of the oh, yeah. cast. Well, also Hands the down. thing, yeah. The thing is like, as much as she is like, oh my God, she's prude and she's regressive and whatever. Overall, she actually is to the average viewer, the most relatable character. Oh, like, for sure. Because she's basically the most normal one. Yeah. And then she is actually faced with, by contrast, she's faced with like the most crazy circumstances, kind of. Yeah. And so it is like basically, see, it's like a constantly seeing like a fish out of water vignette of someone like trying to navigate something that they're not prepared for. Um, but but no, I, I I really do think she's very good in the original series. But what's you know, your I favorite? Think... Oh no, go yeah, on. sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna ask, what's your favorite episode of Sex in the City? Because I think this is a pretty good litmus test. For... Yeah, I know. I I wish I I have seen the the whole show probably multiple times, but never in a like you know I remember little parts of it, but I don't remember specific episodes. Like I'm I'm trying to think like um it's a tough one. I my favorite for sure is like the. I think it's the fourth season finale. It's like the I Love New York episode where like oh, big sure. leaves and like Moon yeah. Rivers playing the whole time. That's I I think that's like a pretty generic choice, but like yeah, yeah. It made me cry a lot. That show makes me cry a lot, which is so embarrassing. That's a, Sarah Jessica Parker of all people has that like I mean ability over me. But. Sarah Jessica I I I I will earnestly say I think Sarah Jessica Parker is an incredible actress and yep. it is like 
and is not recognized as such by the average, you know, by the average person, certainly not by the average person who doesn't watch, who kind of thinks Sex and the City is like fluff. Yeah. Um, but she is someone who, despite it all, gave an amazing performance in Just Like oh. That. She no, was she, like by far the best it. element. Of yeah. It. Like, cause I mean, I like Cynthia Nixon. Like she's a fantastic actor. Like maybe you could argue a technically better actor than Sarah Jessica sure. Parker. But like she was not no, giving you Sarah, what Sarah Jessica Parker was embodies Carrie in a way that is just like none of the other. Honestly, the only other one that does show is Samantha. Like yeah, Kim Cattrall just is Samantha, and and Sarah Jessica Parker just is Carrie, and the other two are obviously generally good, but they have ups and downs, and also the character. It's like so much is thrown at them. Yeah, like so much is thrown at Miranda and so much is thrown at Charlotte that it's difficult to maintain a kind of center. But I think Carrie and Samantha are very in terms of their like personality traits. Yeah, I I think that's definitely they're definitely like the two iconic characters. If you had to pick the two iconic characters, like no one really wants to be a Miranda Mm -hmm. or a Charlotte, I guess that like, I mean, they they are like the windows into the soul, but I just think Miranda is such like an erratically written character in general. Like you go back, you go back and watch the original show, and she gets a lot of weird plot lines. Yeah, too. certainly. Like, well, mm. especially with men, it's basically like yeah. she's constantly being humiliated. Yeah, <laughs> I um, the first time I was truly shocked by the show was the episode. I think it's season one or two where she like think she's like hitting on her neighbor across the hall or like across the alleyway in another building and she like flashes her boob at him yeah. just like and she's like oh like and it turns out he's like some gay guy it's, yeah. and I was like I can't believe this got written and essayed the way it did like just a series of little humiliations yeah I mean like she literally ate cake out of a trash can like, yeah it's like the things men she went to Weight to her, Watchers. Like, she went to Weight Watchers. Yeah, like <laughs> they made yeah. her do so much shit. I I don't know. I, I mean, it's I'm glad that Cynthia Nixon felt like she had a re, like her version of a redemptive arc for the new one. I just wish it were a little bit more like palatable. But I also like I feel like Che Diaz is so integral to and just like that now like both the show and just the conversation around the show like you can't get rid of them um, I mean again I would never like, want that I don't think when was the last time we had a like a television character like that I mean I'm trying to think you know I I can't think maybe and not even to this extent of like both like pillorying them and rallying around them like maybe someone from Game of Thrones but that sure, like, feels sure, like sure. a stretch almost like this really felt like a, a sea change yeah yeah <laughs> like I mean god what are shows people watch I'm like nothing that's the thing like no one like <laughs> yeah. there's no water cooler tv show anymore and then just like that really felt like such a water yeah. cooler show to the point where it spurred me finally after years of dancing around it to actually watch sex in the city all the way through yeah and for that we have Sarah Jessica Parker to thank Sara yeah. Ramirez, all these luminaries who are giving uh, no, us I, befuddling yeah. TV. It really but, is. I mean, Che Diaz is, yeah. No, I, I I completely agree. I'm like, I'm excited for it to come back. Again, my one piece of feedback is just make the episode shorter, make it funnier, and just yeah. lean into like literally farce. Like Sex and the City thrives on farce and on like humiliating circumstances. And it's like, why does, you know, um, Sarita Chowdhury have to like also be depressed about be- like just have her yeah. be the Samantha character like and like you can see them kind of like she went to brunch a few times with them I guess but like I would yeah just focus on that next season like the other two new girls I think are pretty good like you, there's a way to integrate them too more naturally yeah. but like the fertility stuff with Miranda's fertility- professor was so shoehorned in and weird like yeah. 
and then and was literally just its own little subplot like it did yeah. not relate to anything else I think they talked yeah. on the writer's podcast that they did accompanying the show that the original plan was for Miranda and her professor to have the affair instead of Miranda and Che. And that's why the professor character is so emphasized. And then when they didn't go that then direction, they didn't know I what think, to do with her. Yeah. I see, I see. Because Karen Pittman's sense. a great actor in 100%. so many things. And she's good in this too. She just gets some really baffling material. And that's just like, the problem with the show this is her cur- i have to say karen pittman also gets baffling material in the morning show repeatedly oh i don't know do you watch the morning no show? i'm sorry that was so rude but like no, no, no. i like i you I are absolutely correct you're correct that. in your assessment yeah. it is it is i mean i think matt rogers said this but it's like i think he said that it is like unsupervised third graders writing a show like yeah. i've never seen anything like it it, it is no rules it's just like from scene to scene you know uh, no attempt like nothing is consistent nothing you meet a character then they do something completely opposite to, to 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 like what you are used to them doing whatever anyway but her karen Pittman specifically has this impossible role in the morning show where like there's no way for her to do it well and the things she has to say are insane maybe more insane than and just like that <laughs> oh god i i can't fathom that like yeah no it's like because she's like i'm trying to think what it is it's like she is the so obviously steve carell is kind of a matt lauer figure and is fired yeah. because he's canceled because he was a predator however i think what i think from what i remember karen Pittman's character in fact had a consensual relationship with him so that creates this tension where she's like well i don't want people to think i'm a victim it was consensual but then at the same time she's obviously the highest ranking person of color at the office so then they try to like very ham-fistedly make that part of the narrative yeah. i mean it's like combining ev- like <laughs> you know it's like abuse, gender relations, like every hot topic they could possibly combine onto this poor woman. One character. Like, like yeah, it's just... Um, I mean, that's yeah. kind of what... Sec- and just like that did too, like making her an avatar for all of these like yeah. societal struggles, being like a Black woman trying to have a child in this world, like, and being a working professional, like that's a lot for a 10 episode show that's only devoting five minutes of real estate to you at a time. Right. And is like, not letting you, in fact, interact with any other. Like, she only interacts yeah. with Miranda insofar as she narrates what is happening in her life. Like, it's not like we don't actually get a peek into her marriage or like she doesn't. It's not like she. You know, if they had gone with the affair thing, then then she would have at least related to yeah. the main cast in some way. Anyway, but yes, we'll see well, what she does in the second season. Let's just hope the second season is better. I don't. I don't see how it could be worse. And I think, and look, I liked it. I would take 10 more seasons of this. Like, I just, I just love these girls. I don't know. I like, I do like they're great characters. And like, even if they're doing, or if they're being written poorly and like performed sort of poorly, like I'm going to watch it. So, and that's that, I guess. Um, Okay. I think we should move on to our final segment. Let's Um, do it. We are going to play tear the community apart. So the rules are very simple here. I've picked two songs and you're going to tell me which one is better. Oh, God. Okay, great. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Easy, easy, easy. And yet, maybe not so much. So these two songs are 2012 Pitchfork Pop classics. Oh, my God. My favorite era. My favorite era, too. Um, They have really endured in the cultural conversation. Both of them enigmatic cultural figures who don't really do that much but when they do it's sort of impactful i would Wait, say sort I, of impactful i want to guess like what they are okay do you want okay no one's ever done this before so i'm sorry is that crazy? just because no like, this it's era not is like okay so this era, 2012 pitchfork okay is mm-hmm. one of them grimes no you're is close one of them, uh sky ferreira yes one of them is sky ferreira uh, Okay. FK, no, Kalella? Very close, but not Kalella. One more guess. I can give FK Twigs. Okay, no, but you're close. Okay. The, so okay. you have your choices between 
Everything is Embarrassing by Sky Ferreira or Losing You by Solange. Oh, you have no idea what you're doing to me right now. The, yeah, like, I picked specifically, specifically these two songs, because like there are other ones that are in that vein, but like specifically those two were so huge. My, oh, like, yeah. everything is embarrassing was like my ex from college, like the, the guy I dated throughout most of my 20s. Our like song together was everything is embarrassing. And I had like literally thought of, playing it at our wedding like that oh my god <laughs> like i mean we're no longer together. i'm sorry i'm like putting you in the dark the ultimate like honestly the place. ultimate everything being embarrassing yeah is breaking up anyway so um and losing you i i st- truly to this day i remember like showing it to people in my dorm and and be and then them being like wait solange like beyonce's sister and me mm-hmm. being like angry because i they didn't know about her music career okay sorry i need to i know i'm dragging this on um it's a tough choice i feel you i am very tickled by the idea of everything is embarrassing as a wedding dance though because that song is impossible to dance to it wouldn't be a wedding dance it would be just like it would be the one of the prominent songs featured you know during the wedding um okay um Okay, I hate to do this, and I will explain myself. Uh huh. I'm gonna say everything is embarrassing only because Solange flourished so much after losing you, and even though I what? Well, that's not, okay. I'll continue your thought. Okay, wait, continue no, but <laughs> okay. So, my, my it, it that's not even. I'm not even wording it correctly. Solange has. I don't even know if I would choose Losing You as her best song, for instance, Mm -hmm. like in her entire discography. And I think like she, there's an argument to be made that Losing You is like, you know, step one of an evolution that she's still on. Whereas I think with Sky Ferreira, everything is embarrassing encapsulates her her whole ethos. It's definitely the alpha and omega of Sky Ferreira, for sure. So I think that's why I'm like, yeah, I think that's that's kind of my thinking. I will say, in terms of just like what song am I going to play after this is over, it'll probably be losing you because it's like yeah. it, it's it's definitely more it's more danceable. It's like the music video is so it's good. It's so like she, good. Yeah, it's yeah um, yeah. I but, was just at I like a house think, party recently with yeah. like people were just playing videos on, and that one came on and people just kind of like stopped in their tracks and just watched it for a while. Cause like people hadn't, it's not one that you really watch all that often. Either. I know it's like, yeah, it's no, so I was a though. huge, it, it's very, it's very good. And, and maybe even technically a good, a better song than everything is embarrassing, but there's just something about everything is embarrassing that like defined that era. And also it's like one of the best song titles of all time. Oh, it's so good. And like three words, that can be used for basically any situation. Yeah. Like I, that I, sounds a, like a simple thing to say, but like everything is yeah, embarrassing. It's true. I mean, she snapped. She hit on something. She had her finger on the pulse. She really she did. did that. Really um, did. It sucks that it is. What I was laughing at earlier was when you said that. No, it was I know. So what, I, I know. One I know. And, yeah. and, like I watch this TikTok um, chart videos, like where you like artists are comparing their like bar graphs that like go up and down for like when I don't know, like Whitney was peaking here and Mariah was peaking right, here, right, and right. they like you know dance around. You put Solange and Sky next to each other, it's like up, and then one is like crashing through the floor to hell, and then Solange yeah. is like going this way. Yeah, no, like, it's true. I don't know if we're ever gonna get a new Sky Ferreira album. Like we I did, know. one of the emergencies on a very recent episode of this podcast was, is Sky ever gonna I know, I, I I was, um I was like scrolling through it today and I saw that. Um, Yeah, I, it, she was such a, another person I regrettably have never seen live and like will never forgive myself because now it's, yeah. it might never happen. She like does stuff here and there and she like keeps, well, she said in March, 2022, we were getting new music. So, I mean, clock's ticking on that. Like she's been, I used to work for her label and that was in 
2017, 2018, and like stuff was in the works then. No, obviously, I know. I know. has not gone to fruition now. Like, I mean, it's, it's, a, I think I said this about someone else earlier, a lack of drive, let's say. But I do think that era of pop music is so good. And one of the few nice things about like whatever this like indie sleaze revival is, is people talking about how good music in 2012, like 2011 was. Because getting Visions, Born to Die, all the Azalea shit, Solange and Sky Fair all in the same year. Like that's insane, truly insane. And Frank Ocean. Yeah, and, and then like, that was one, I mean, it was kind of like what people, you know, like the advent of what people then called like alt R&B, which like is its own oh, slippery what, term. We need and to like, use our, the correct word, which is PBR and B. <laughs> Is that what it's called? That's what they called it. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Okay, I used okay, to read okay. Hipster Runoff religiously. Oh, I love him. Yes, me too. God, bring him. I, I, I know. know Carl's now. RIP. I, yeah. I, yeah. I was a huge Hipster Runoff um, reader. Yeah. But yes, I mean, there was the, P- yes, let's say PBRMB mm-hmm. on one side. So like, is Kalela, am I thinking, is Kalela, was Kalela a little later maybe? She was like 2013 because I okay, was fine. a f- freshman in college when that came Okay, out. so so there were, my point is there were the girly one and, and then there were also the bands, like the- Yeah, like the Grizzly Bears. Exactly. Like, the, like that kind of stuff. Even like early, um, I'm trying to think, not early Alt-J, but like slightly before Alt-J, like- was Yaysayer around that yeah. time? Yeah. Oh, I love. Yeah. They just broke up recently, and that bummed me out so much. I know. Like, I used to I love know. Yaysayer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yaysayer and like <laughs> local natives. I don't know if you ever listened. Oh to them, yeah. But yeah. Um, I saw them in. Um, I used to live in Silver Lake in LA, and I saw them. They did a vacant lot show. <laughs> Oh, wow. It's summer 2016. Um, and I, it was like after their peak, but like it was so fun just to see them play in like a big pile of dirt. Very fun. Exactly no, what you want so to good. see. They can't, they don't do the stuff like that anymore. Like just they being like bands in general, like no one's playing in piles of dirt for anything less than $200 a weekend. It sucks. It does suck. Yeah, music is not, I don't know. I mean, I also am more out of the loop. So like, I'm sure there is very good music now and I just don't know about it. But like, I mean, we're know. recording this like uh, the Friday after both the new Charlie and the new Rosalia album. That's came true. Out, and, which I assume I, you listen to. Yes. No. Yeah. And, and you know what? They are both very good. It's true. Like, I love Charlie and that and Charlie, Um, I guess that was slightly later, but like, the advent of like PC music was also, a, it was like maybe 2014. Like it yeah. was slightly. But slightly that first that, Charlie era, like the nuclear seasons and all of that, that was 2012. Like I guess so. Yeah. She's Charlie's been kicking around for a long time. I know it's crazy. She was like 19. Yeah. Imagine like being 19 in a visionary. When I was 19, I was like dead in a ditch. <laughs> Wait, I'm like, I, I, I know I need, to, we need to, go but i'm like now i'm looking up like 2012 oh my god tame impala was huge uh-huh. then. yeah that was lonerism like i Wait, have we're um... forgetting okay sorry we're forgetting two major things and then i'll i'll stop talking about this okay first of all dirty projectors oh yeah duh. and Love second of all projectors literal frank ocean was 2012 yeah. And also my favorite album of all time, The Idler Wheel by Fiona Apple was 2012. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. That was a momentous year. Wow. Sea change. And I was like, I think to myself all the time, like, was 2012 really that good or was I just like 17? No, I know. And no, I it know. is like, it was really that good. Like, <laughs> wait, sorry. But also a lot of people don't know their history chairlift also was huge in 2012 yeah that's true and now people don't even know what chairlift is because i know it's like pole chicks or whatever i literally went to a caroline poultry concert where someone slightly younger than me and i mentioned it and he you know he was like oh i didn't know she was part of that like i vaguely remember he like knew both of the acts but didn't know she was part of chairlift okay and then final thing which has aged less well i think but like purity ring was huge then yes absolutely that first purity ring album is 
so fucking good. It's and so good. I, I mean, I just like re binged watch all of Search Party when it came I out. Know, like, yeah. Obadir is one of those songs I could literally listen to like 50 times in a row and like, yeah, get my life, get my absolute. God, life. Take me back to the Obama era. Take me back. We should swap we had... Spotify playlists after yes. this. I think. <laughs> um, right. Okay. We do have to wrap up though. Okay. Um, George, thank you so much for being here for the one year anniversary show. This was a delight front to back. Thank you so much for having me. I do want to say before I go, it is, I'm so happy to meet you because as I said before off mic, you were the first person to ever write anything about our podcast on Flutter. And it was, I just looked it up before, um, before joining the Zoom and it was, we premiered on like March, 2020, I think. And you wrote something on June, 2020. It was the first time yeah. we've ever gotten like any attention out- outside of like, you know, Twitter. Oh my so God. So I were very <laughs> grateful. I remember it was like the first time anyone had written like using a, had written anything resembling like a review, you know, like using like a critical voice to, to, to write about it. And it was, it felt like a huge. Calling anything like I've ever said a critical voice is uh, a stretch, but I really do appreciate that. I love your podcast. Radio Lab is truly, I think, like one of the few podcasts that is like equipped to actually tackle <laughs> how stupid our culture is right yeah, now. I mean, gotta um, fight fire with fire in terms of stupidity. <laughs> yeah. So I would 100% like, I mean, my Substack is like kind of defunct right now, but it is coming back later this week. Um, but no, everyone needs to go listen to Stradio Lab for sure. It's on, I'm sure most people who listen to this probably do already. Um, where can people find you on social media? Oh, uh, at George Severus on all, pla- well, I mean, Instagram and Twitter. I, do you know, I've never even looked at TikTok. <laughs> Not even, do you just see what like filters through to you on Twitter? Yeah, literally okay. I've never downloaded see, yeah. That was me too until literally January. Yeah. And I wish I hadn't done it, but like I know that's what everyone says, and I'm like, I'm gonna hold out as long as I can. It's wildly irresponsible because I because I'm gonna get left behind, but whatever. But like you're you're seeing what you need to see. Like my entire algorithm, my algorithm's basically been figured out at this point. It's just like drag race lip sync vids, Azalea Banks clips, and like funny gay teens. That's fine by me, but like yeah. it is. You see a lot of other stuff that like you wish you hadn't right <laughs> and i think i think it's best that you just get the yeah. let the cream float to the top here yeah. um you can find me on twitter at fka pigs with a z on instagram at drew haskins with z's and follow crisis twink pod on instagram and twitter thank you everyone for listening to this for a full calendar year i think that is really fucking insane of you and everyone needs to go to the hospital but i do really appreciate it um Take some time to rate, review, subscribe, do whatever you feel like. Who cares? Um, And bye. See you for another year of great content.